Chapter Two, Part Three of *The Many-Sided Franklin* by Paul Lester Ford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter Two: Physique, Theories, and Appetites, Part Three. During a trip to Ireland in 1773, quote, after a plentiful dinner of fish, the first day of my arrival, end quote, Franklin was taken sick and though not invalidated he did not altogether recover for four or five weeks quote, on my return i first observed a kind of scab or scurf on my head about the bigness of a shilling finding it did not heal but rather increased i mentioned it to my friend sir j p who advised a mercurial water to wash it and some physic it slowly left that place but appeared in other parts of my head he also advised my abstaining from salt meats and cheese, which advice I did not much follow, often forgetting it, end quote. A forgetfulness of poor Richard as well, for the almanac maker had counseled, cheese and salt meat should be sparingly eat. This skin disease was increased by his voyage to America in 1775, during which he necessarily ate more salt meat than usual. The diet and his sedentary life in Congress brought on frequent giddiness. He suffered much from a number of large boils and apprehended dropsy. In his passage to France in 1776, quote, I lived chiefly on salt beef, the fowls being too hard for my teeth. But being poorly nourished, I was very weak at my arrival. Boils continued to vex me, and the scurf extending over the small of my back, on my sides, my legs, and my arms, besides what continued under my hair, I applied to a physician who ordered me Mr. Belasto's pills and an infusion of a root called blank. I took the infusion a while, but it being disagreeable and finding no effect, I omitted it. I continued to take the pills, but finding my teeth loosening, and that I had lost three, I desisted the use of them. I found that bathing stopped the progress of the disorder. I therefore took the hot bath twice a week, two hours at a time, till this last summer. It always made me feel comfortable as I rubbed off the softened scurf in the warm water, and I otherwise enjoyed exceeding good health. I stated my case to Dr. Ingenhouse, and desired him to show it to Sir J. P., and obtain his advice. They sent me from London some medicine, but Dr. Ingenhouse proposed to come over soon, and the affair not pressing, I resolved to omit taking the medicine till his arrival. In July, 1778, the disorder began to diminish, at first slowly, but afterwards rapidly, and by the beginning of October it had quitted entirely my legs, feet, thighs, and arms, and my belly. A very little was left on my sides, more on the small of my back, but the whole daily diminishing." The disobedience to the orders and advice of his various doctors, already recorded, make Franklin's views on the profession worth glancing at, and possibly his reason for the neglect is to be found in his declaration that, quote, there are more old drunkards than old doctors, end quote. He is the best physician that knows the worthlessness of the most medicines, asserted poor Richard, for many dishes, many diseases, many medicines, few cures and even these few cures the almanac-maker was apparently not willing to give to the profession, for he claims that, quote, God heals and the doctor takes the fees, end quote. 
in one of franklin's squibs he quotes with evident approval the quote, italian epitaph upon a poor fool that killed himself with quacking i was well i would be better i took the physic and died End quote. and that this really represented his opinion of most drugs is shown in another instance jefferson relates an incident which occurred during a discussion in the continental congress over a partial suspension of the non-importation association quote, i was sitting by dr franklin and observed to him that i thought we should accept books that we ought not to exclude science even coming from an enemy he thought so too and i proposed the exception which was agreed to soon after it occurred that medicine should be accepted and i suggested that also to the doctor as to that said he i will tell you a story when i was in london in such a year there was a weekly club of physicians of which sir john pringle was president and i was invited by my friend dr fothergill to attend when convenient their rule was to propose a thesis one week and discuss it the next i happened there when the question to be considered was whether physicians had on the whole done most good or harm the young members particularly having discussed it very learnedly and eloquently till the subject was exhausted one of them observed to sir john pringle that although it was not usual for the president to take part in a debate yet they were desirous to know his opinion on the question he said they must first tell him whether under the appellation of physicians they meant to include old women if they did he thought they had done more good than harm otherwise more harm than good End quote. yet during all his life franklin's closest friends were for the most part medical men in philadelphia thomas bond phineas bond john bard thomas cadwallader and john jones in london sir john pringle sir william watson john fothergill william hewson and edward bancroft and on the continent barbu dubourg igenhaus and guillotin were among his greatest intimates and co-workers upon one occasion in writing to his honored father and mother he told them quote, i apprehend i am too busy in prescribing and meddling in the doctor's sphere when any of you complain of ales in your letters but as i always employ a physician myself when any disorder arises in my family i submit implicitly to his orders in everything so i hope you consider my advice when i give any only as a mark of my good will and put no more of it in practice than happens to agree with what your doctor directs he refers also as an object lesson to lord chatham of whom quote, it is said that his constitution is totally destroyed and gone partly through the violence of the disease and partly by his own continual quacking with it End quote. during the last year of his life too he drew up a plan for a medical school in another way franklin proved that his girds at physicians and medicine did not wholly represent his real opinion in 1751, his autobiography states, quote, Dr. Thomas Bond, a particular friend of mine, conceived the idea of establishing a hospital in Philadelphia. But the proposal, being a novelty in America, and at first not well understood, he met with but small success. At length he came to me with the compliment that he found there was no such thing as carrying a public-spirited project through without my being concerned in it. 
i inquired into the nature and probable utility of his scheme and receiving from him a very satisfactory explanation i not only subscribed to it myself but engaged heartily in the design of procuring subscriptions from others previously however to the solicitation i endeavored to prepare the minds of the people by writing on the subject in the newspapers which was my usual custom in these cases but which he had omitted not content with these newspaper articles franklin later drew up and published in pamphlet form quote, some account of the pennsylvania hospital end quote, from which it is learned that his subscription was twenty five pounds and that for a number of years he was one of the board of governors he also succeeded in obtaining a grant of funds from the assembly by a shrewd bit of management and long after he declared quote, i do not remember any of my political maneuvers the success of which gave me at the time more pleasure or wherein after thinking of it i more easily excused myself for having made use of cunning end quote nothing perhaps better showed his attitude toward all quacks than a service he rendered in seventeen eighty four mesmer after being discredited in vienna chiefly at the hands of franklin's friend ingenhouse came to paris in seventeen seventy eight and began the practice of his pretended curale but with very slight success franklin himself then happening to be the moment's fashion in time however his seances became in the words of one writer the affaire du bon temps while another declared that quote, all the world wished to be magnetized end quote. such was the craze that a mere deputy of mesmer is said to have cleared one hundred thousand pounds within six months and the frenzy became so serious that the government finally interfered a commission was appointed made up of the four leading physicians of the faculty of paris to which five members of the royal academy were added of whom franklin was named first and such well-known men and scientists as leroy de bory guillotin and lavoisier associated with him after investigation they made a report which in jefferson's words gave the compound of fraud and folly its death wound mesmer's thesis that in mankind there was quote, but one nature one distemper and one remedy end quote, received humorous though destructive treatment at the hands of these scientists the commission recognizing the action of the imagination upon the animal frame and the consequent nervous influence over disease were able to repeat all mesmer's alleged cures not by his methods but by simply making his patients believe that they were employing his methods more destructive still they pointed out that there was nothing new in the alleged science all mesmer's experiences and processes having been practiced fully a century before he claimed their discovery the bubble was pricked and mesmer disappeared to die long after quite forgotten another charlatan with whom franklin came in contact about this time was the pretended count cagliostro who later was to win a notoriety as great as mesmer's in connection with the diamond necklace affair but who at this time was still an obscure doctor he was recommended to franklin by his friend briand during an illness but whether he ever treated him with his secret remedy for the gravel is not known the tendency to form gravel or stone for which franklin needed medical aid was probably inherited for his father josiah had died of the trouble and his brother john had been a long sufferer from it 
with franklin it seems to have first developed in seventeen eighty three when his grandson temple notified vergennes that quote, my grandfather's gravel has now turned into the gout which prevents his appearing at court to-day as he intended and franklin apologized to the minister because quote, being now disabled by the stone which in the easiest carriage gives me pain i find i can no longer pay my devoirs personally at versailles which i hope will be excused a little later he wrote to john jay quote, it is true as you have heard that i have the stone but not that i had thoughts of being cut for it it is as yet very tolerable it gives me no pain but when in a carriage on the pavement or when i make some sudden quick movement if i can prevent its growing larger which i hope to do by abstemious living and gentle exercise i can go on pretty comfortably with it to the end of my journey which can now be at no great distance i am cheerful enjoy the company of my friends sleep well have sufficient appetite and my stomach performs well its functions the latter is very material to the preservation of health i therefore take no drugs lest i should disorder it you may judge that my disease is not very grievous since i am more afraid of the medicines than of the malady as this extract indicates franklin took his suffering cheerily as to myself he told one friend i continue as hardy as at my age could be expected and as cheerful as ever you knew me and to another he expressed the hope that he might live as long as i have done and with as much health who continue as hardy as a buck with a hand still steady as they may see by this writing to still a third he wrote for my own part i do not find that i grow any older being arrived at seventy and considering that by travelling farther in the same road i should probably be led to the grave i stopped short turned about and walked back again which done these four years you may now call me sixty-six advise these old friends of ours to follow my example keep up your spirits and that will keep up your bodies you will no more stoop under the weight of age than if you had swallowed a handspike his manner of attaining such a frame of mind was simple Quote, one means of becoming content with one's situation is the comparing it with a worse thus when i consider how many terrible diseases the human body is liable to i comfort myself that only three incurable ones have fallen to my share viz the gout the stone and old age and these have not yet deprived me of my natural cheerfulness my delight in books and enjoyment of social conversation an amusing assistant to the royal commission in giving a quietus to mesmerism was the invention just at the time that craze was highest of a balloon with a consequent shifting of interest by the fickle paris public franklin himself followed the experiments of montgolfier the inventor with the closest detention not merely because of his scientific interest but as well because of a personal one the progress made in the management of balloons he told a correspondent has been rapid yet i fear it will hardly become a common carriage in my time though being easiest of all voitures it would be extremely convenient to me now that my malady forbids the use of old ones over a pavement the pain all motion gave franklin at one time threatened to call his continuance in france even after congress had consented to his return for his french friends insisted that he could not bear the journey and the sufferer himself hesitated the difficulty was finally overcome by the kindness of marie antoinette 
when i was at passy franklin recorded i could not bear a wheel carriage and being discouraged from my project of descending the seine in a boat by the difficulties and tediousness of its navigation in so dry a season i accepted the offer of one of the king's litters carried by large mules i found the motion did not much incommode me it was one of the queen's carried by two very large mules which walked steadily and easily so that i bore the motion very well i came to havre de grace in a litter he wrote a friend from portsmouth and hither in the packet-boat and instead of being hurt by the journey or voyage i really find myself very much better not having suffered so little for the time these two years past i was not in the least inconvenienced by the voyage but my children and my friend mr veillard were very sick in this connection it is interesting to note that franklin was apparently never a victim to seasickness in any of his eight ocean crossings his voyage to america appears to have benefited him as much as travel always did he accepted public offices and fulfilled their duties and he seemed indeed to take pride in what strength yet remained to him for in showing a friend a book quote, so large that it was with but the greatest difficulty the doctor was able to raise it from the low shelf and lift it on to the table with that senile ambition common to old people he insisted on doing it himself and would permit no person to assist him merely to show us how much strength he had remaining End quote. yet evidences of his physical disabilities were not wanting as president of pennsylvania he had to be carried to the state house in a litter and in the federal convention he had all his speeches read by his colleague james wilson it being inconvenient to the doctor to remain on his feet in seventeen eighty eight a material change occurred in his health of which he sent word to ignhaus you may remember the cutaneous malady i formerly complained of and for which you and dr pringle favoured me with prescriptions and advice it vexed me near fourteen years and was at the beginning of this year as bad as ever covering almost my whole body except my face and hands when a fit of the gout came on without very much pain but a swelling in both feet which at last appeared also in both knees and then in my hands as these swellings increased and extended the other malady diminished and at length disappeared entirely those swellings have some time since begun to fall and are now almost gone perhaps the cutaneous disease may return or perhaps it is worn out i may hereafter let you know what happens i am on the whole much weaker than when it began to leave me another twelve months quote, found me very ill with a severe fit of the stone which followed a fall i had on the stone steps that lead into my garden whereby i was much bruised and my wrists sprained so as to render me incapable of writing for several weeks from the consequences of this fall the doctor did not recover and henceforth was obliged to spend the most of his time in bed of his health he wrote late in seventeen eighty nine i can give you no good account i have a long time been afflicted with almost constant and grievous pain to combat which i have been obliged to have recourse to opium which indeed has afforded me some ease from time to time but then it has taken away my appetite and so impeded my digestion that i am become totally emaciated and little remains of me but a skeleton covered with a skin his friends urged him to have an operation performed but he refused and john adams stated quote, 
on the question for example whether to be cut for the stone the young with a longer prospect of years think these overbalance the pain of the operation dr franklin at the age of eighty thought his residuum of life not worth that price i should have thought with him even taking the stone out of the scale end quote. in april seventeen ninety franklin was seized with the illness which terminated his life an account of which was drawn up by his attending doctor john jones quote, the stone with which he had been afflicted for several years had for the last twelve months confined him chiefly to his bed and during the extremely painful paroxysms he was obliged to take large doses of laudanum to mitigate his tortures still in the intervals of pain he not only amused himself with reading and conversing cheerfully with his family and a few friends who visited him but was often employed in doing business of a public as well as private nature with various persons who waited on him for that purpose and in every instance displayed not only that readiness and disposition of doing good which was the distinguishing characteristic of his life but the fullest and clearest possession of his uncommon mental abilities and not infrequently indulged himself in those jeux d'esprit and entertaining anecdotes which were the delight of all who heard him about sixteen days before his death he was seized with a feverish indisposition without any particular symptoms attending it till the third or fourth day when he complained of a pain in the left breast which increased till it became extremely acute attended with a cough and laborious breathing during this state when the severity of his pain drew forth a groan of complaint he would observe that he was afraid he did not bear them as he ought acknowledged his grateful sense of the many blessings he had received from that supreme being who had raised him from small and low beginnings to such high rank and consideration among men and made no doubt but his present afflictions were kindly intended to wean him from a world in which he was no longer fit to act the part assigned him in this frame of body and mind he continued till five days before his death when his pain and difficulty of breathing entirely left him and his family were flattering themselves with the hopes of his recovery when an imposthumation which had formed itself in his lungs suddenly burst and discharged a great quantity of matter which he continued to throw up while he had sufficient strength to do it but as that failed the organs of respiration became gradually oppressed a calm lethargic state succeeded and on the seventeenth of april seventeen ninety about eleven o'clock at night he quietly expired closing a long and useful life of eighty-four years and three months according to john adams quote, it was the opinion of his own physician dr jones he fell a sacrifice at last not to the stone but to his own theory having caught a violent cold which finally choked him by sitting for some hours at a window with the cold air blowing upon him End quote. nine men in ten are suicides asserted poor richard End of chapter two part three